Good morning, church. Y'all doing all right? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I got a little fire on me this morning, so praise God, right? We got to do offering first, though. Let's go to God. Father, we thank you in Jesus' mighty name that you are the God who created all things, the one who gave us everything we have. Father, we demonstrate our understanding of that through our moments of generosity, whether we're giving financially, giving of our time, giving of some other resource. Father, using our talents that you've given us to serve the body of Christ, to, to evangelize the world. God, we pray that our hearts never lose that. Father, we thank you for this moment where we continue our worship of you through giving. Bless these tithes and offerings in Christ's holy name. Amen. A couple of things for you to be aware of. Aware of. Uh, number one, first of all, good job. I saw the uh, amount of stuff we've already taken up for the food drive. Let me kind of tell you, yeah, I'm excited about that. Listen, let's, uh, for those of you who brought stuff in, go get some more. No, 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 seriously. I was thinking about this because I know that me and Stacy and I, and we've never really talked about this a lot, but we, we kind of have these times in our lives where we'll have a backpack giveaway or a, or a canned food drive or whatever it is. We go get the thing, bring it back, check it off the list. Go get another one. DJ Khaled said it best, another one. The prophet, DJ Khaled. Yeah. Now, seriously, though, like, why do we do that? Let's, let's just get all we can. Let's just keep doing it until the food drive looks at us and go, how many people y'all got at that church? 10,000? We have tens of people there. Tens. So you tell Midway and Southern Hills, your move. <laughs> no, I'm seriously. Let's start a war between the two of who can be more generous. Because the church has already shown the world how big their mouth is, how lazy their hands and feet are. Let's get in a different kind of war. I'm going to love people better than you. And I hope in the name of Jesus that you beat me after I do it. What were we talking about? <laughs> Secondly, we have the five-year anniversary coming up. Uh, Sunday. Can, can people sign up anymore? They can, we can split a hot dog, Amen. I'm not splitting the hamburger, but I'll split the hot dog with you. You can still sign up, I do believe. Let me make sure it's where I'm going to tell you that it is. It's still active. It's all good. All right, if you go in our church center app, you can just scan that. I'm just kidding. Our projector is not working this morning. <laughs> That's not funny. Um, we're going to figure it out. It's like the moment the church let technology in, the devil came with it. Amen. Gene, let's please go back to the uh, overhead projector. 
There's nothing that I want to look forward to more than having students sign up to serve in tech. I got in trouble. I shouldn't tell you all this. I got in trouble one time because I do a mean barking dog. Apparently, they don't like for you to do that during the church service. And I couldn't run out from behind the PowerPoint or the, the overhead projector fast enough, so I got in trouble for that. But anyway, nah, man, if you can find one, let's do it. That, that, that thing never goes down. All you need is a light bulb. Um, sign up in our, in our app. Uh, we do have the, the church center. If you go into church center and just search for churches, it, it'll say, would you like for us to use your location? If you're sitting in the room when you do that, Generations is the first one that pops up. Or you can just search manually for generations. In there is the calendar with all of our events. One thing that I want to be in your in your head, we're going to be showing videos and getting you some more information coming up. But we're going to student camp June third through the seventh. We're going to Le- we're going to uh, Lee University in Cleveland, Tennessee. Is that right? Uh, it's a, a camp that Stacy and I took our students to back in the way back in the day, too. And it is an incredible, incredible camp. And so we're going to be going out there. We're going to get you the information, but I want you to go ahead and start thinking about that uh, because we're going to be asking for deposits and stuff like that. I don't want anyone to miss that date. If there's someone that you know who has students who didn't hit, they're not here, they may be interested in doing something. There's nothing like student camp. It's a great catalyst for kids who are kind of wary about coming on Wednesday night, but they'll go to a student camp because they don't have a choice. The mom's like, ooh, week without you, you're going. So <laughs> if you know some parents like that, we'd love to disciple them and take their kids to camp. You can get all of that information, though, even camp. It's already in the Church Center app. Most importantly, sign up for the five-year anniversary so that we can just hang out get to know each other, and just have fun in the North Georgia mountains. I'm just kidding. It's at Banning Mills, but you feel like you're in the North Georgia mountains when you're there, so I'm kind of stoked about that. I want to tell you all a story. So I had a video to show you this morning. that uh, James gave me permission to act out. Didn't you? Okay, cool. Uh, that is really going to bring this and tie this together. But before I do that, I want to tell you a story about this guy that I met while was, I was in the Navy. I have never really liked anyone that can talk more trash than me. Anybody else like that? Anybody have a football team, baseball team, or just something you're passionate about and you just talk trash about it? (laughs) I can't stand when somebody's better at talking trash than me. When they say something that gets you and you're like, oh. There was this guy that I, was, I served with in the Navy. I was only with him about three months. It was good for him that that was the case. But we got together in San Antonio, Texas, and this guy to himself was the self-proclaimed best football player on the planet. He, he was from Wisconsin. I don't know anything about Wisconsin. Does anyone know anything about, what did you say? Cheese. That explains so much. As far, I mean, this guy talked so much trash. Like, I remember this one time we were sitting in this cafeteria, eating between classes, courses, whatever it was we were doing there. And I said, are you really that good at football? He didn't even use words. He just went, 
I'll never forget the look he had on his face. Like he could talk so much trash about his ability to play the game of football that by the time the day came, because I'm one of those guys where if you tell me I'm really good at it, all right, let's do it. Let's go play football. So we get a group. By the time that day came, though, I was thinking, guys, we're blessed because we're about to see, hands down, the greatest football player of all time. Run and catch and sprint and jump amongst us regular peons. I was nervous. And of course he guards me because I'm typically the bigger guy in any group that I'm in. Every once in a while I'm not. In this particular time, I was. And so he's guarding me. And on the first play from scrimmage, and I don't know if you can tell this by looking at me, but I have never ran a 40, and the number at the beginning of my 40 time was four. Okay? It was always five. Okay? It's some low fives. Don't get me wrong. But I was never really fast. I, I, I ran track in high school. No sprints. Okay? Just long distances, hey, he'll get to the finish line eventually over time, and at that point, hopefully it'll be good. I burned this old boy from Wisconsin. I mean, I just ran the only, the only thing I know to run, that's a post. I'm either, gonna go, I'm either going out or in. And I burnt this old boy and caught that ball and outran him. I scored a touchdown. I pres- we proceeded to walk the dog with this young man. It got so bad at one point, I looked at him and said, have you been talking about soccer this whole time? Because once I figured out I had him, I couldn't just let my actions do the talking. I had to remind him every play that was for you and your mama. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it was, we're 19, don't get mad at me, all right? I was 19 years old. What do you expect? But we beat the brakes off of this young man. I learned who he was in regard to football, which was drastically different from who he said he was. And we've said this in some form literally every Sunday. What you say about who you are and who you actually are is seen not in what you say about yourself, but in what you do. Now, I want you to understand something. We're not looking for perfect people. You know what? You know what I love more than perfection? Responsibility. Like, if you make a mistake, I'm more concerned that you know you made the mistake than that you made it. Are you aware that you messed up? Oh, absolutely. Oh, we can work with that, right? We can work with that humility. That's what we're talking about, this this awareness, this growth, this maturity, this living out who Jesus says his people will be. In 7.15 of the Gospel of Matthew, remember he says, beware of false prophets. We talked about that being two different people or groups of people. That's definitely false prophets in the sense of I want to always have my head on a swivel. I want to always be using discernment because there's going to be people that, are, 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 that exist on this earth for no other reason but to be used by Satan to distract the people of God. I want to be aware of that, right? I want to be aware of it, especially if it's potentially in the pulpit. 
Pastors sometimes have the reputations that doctors do. Well, if a doctor said it, I'm just going to do it. Some of us right now, if the doctor said, go home and saw your leg off, you'd be like, it's going to hurt, but the doctor said. Not to that degree, but you understand, we trust they're in a position of authority. But the reality is people have heaped upon them that honor. We forget that that honor is still earned, not in our ability to communicate, but in our ability to demonstrate. And so Jesus says, beware. And he says, he doesn't say, listen to them. Everything he says, this language is all about observation. You will know them by their fruits. These fruits you will see. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit. Now I want you to do something else because we did say, yeah, watch, watch out here. But what else did we say? We also said watch in here. The greatest false prophet you'll ever deal with is yourself, okay? And so as I'm looking at this language, I'm not just thinking about, ooh. I'm also going, ooh, right? Every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. What kind of fruit am I bearing, oh God? A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. So then you will know you by your fruit. This past week in Mexico, I found out that there are some folks in this church calling themselves apples, and they're apples. Not in a glamorous, look-at-me, showy kind of way. Because I'm going to tell you this right now. If I didn't tell you about them, you would never know. They looked like, they said they were apples. They looked like apples. They smelled like apples. And when you cut into them, they are as ripe and perfect, perfect as an apple can be humble, selfless, serving, worshiping apples. This isn't just something that others should be able to test about you. This is something that you should be able to test and see about yourself. We have to know the state of our heart, church. So this morning we're going to continue this. Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Matthew 7, 21 through 23. I'm going to give you a second to get there because it won't be on the screens. If you, have a, if you have a Bible app or something that you're using, if you could thumb there or whatever finger you use to, to get to places on your phone. Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 21. If you're there, say whoop. If you need a few more seconds, say, he. Okay, good. Not everyone, verse 21, who says to me, Lord, Lord, language of recognition, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, language of recognition, 
Did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. That language in the Greek is very intentional. It's not, I do not know you, as if there was a transformation over time. These people have known Christ, listen to this, not throughout their entire worldly lives, because Jesus doesn't tell us anything about their worldly lives. Jesus says, I never knew you throughout your entire ministry. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now listen, when you read in Scripture, this isn't in my notes, when you read in Scripture, but I want to share it with you, when you read in Scripture about the fear of the Lord, it's not the same fear that you would experience if you were going in a haunted house, okay? It's not the same fear that you would experience doing some, some things, that whatever makes you afraid. Fear in the sense of fear, to fear the Lord is to have holy reverence. In other words, what does Jesus mean by the fact that these people who knew him, who did ministry in his name, successful ministry, proclamation of the word of God in Jesus' name, Casting out of demonic, evil spirits in Jesus' name. Not attempting to and failing because the heart was doing it. Performing many miracles in Jesus' name. I never knew you, Jesus says. What? Let me tell you something right now. If that doesn't strike fear in your heart as a believer... You are not understanding this morning. And your prayer needs to be, God, let me see and hear and understand. Because I'm telling you, there is a ministry that exists that takes place in the name of Jesus Christ that God does not honor. Jesus says, look, Everybody's continuing this idea. Everybody that you know, and then he takes it a little bit farther, right, and says, everyone who knows me, this is scary, is not going to heaven. Yeah, you get nervous. Please, I hope you get nervous. Bear your, gnash your teeth at me. We don't hear sermons like this today. Everybody you know isn't going to heaven. Everybody who knows Jesus isn't going to heaven. Stay with me. As a matter of fact, it doesn't matter whether you know him. You can absolutely know who he is, and yet no transformation has taken place in your life. The people in verse 22, they're preaching the word, they're casting out demons, they're performing miracles, not in the name of some stranger, in the name of Jesus Christ. 
They didn't do just any old works either. What they're performing is what the church then and what the church even now considers to be some of the most powerfully important works. There's some of you in this room right now, when you invite people to Generations Church, you tell them about me. Don't do that anymore. Who is here in our midst? If the Lord builds the house, I can't build anything. I can't do, I'm just, somebody told me on the mission trip this week, man, this has been incredible for me. Why is that? God done something amazing in your life? Yeah, he showed me you were just a regular guy. What did you think I was? I just came forth from the spiritual cocoon every morning, turned to the, turned turn the word of God. No, I have gas. Sometimes I wake up in the morning and I don't want to brush my teeth. You know what? I don't. I'm just going to work and breathing dirt blowing across the desert of Mexico. What? I'm not kissing any of you. Why are you all up in my face where you can tell where my breath is, where I brush my teeth or not? You ain't my mama. Leave me alone. When I took off my boots at the end of the day, <laughs> I'm, don't tell people about me. I will fail you over and over and over and over the same grace you need. I desperately crave the same Christ you sing. Oh, God, I need you resonates with my heart, too. This Pulpit, I don't know what else to call it. Lectern, it's just wood. When God destroys the earth, this will burn. I won't be here either. I won't be standing there going, yeah, they with me. These people... They did this ministry, and yet at the end of all of it, I imagine Jesus was to some degree speaking to the establishment in place. When Caiaphas walked into a room, everyone stopped and bowed. Jesus is the most amazing prophet to ever walk the earth. His proclamation of the Word of God hit every target right in the middle. So many people can see themselves in everything that Jesus is saying. Even the person that quietly does ministry at the end of the day because they hope that it will eradicate their sin struggle. God says, I don't know you. I eradicate your sin struggle, not your works. You who think that your position is more important than someone else, I don't know you. Jesus is essentially saying not so much about the person, but he's telling the heart. That is not the kingdom I came to establish. 
I feel that to some degree he's speaking to the apostles. That's a lie. I know for a fact he's speaking to the apostles. He is speaking into the heart of Peter, who in just a matter of weeks will screw up twice. Worse than anybody else in the entire Bible, in my opinion. That's not what I came to do. That's not who I am. I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So then what's the issue? Simple. They knew him, but he didn't know them. What they were doing was, and even today, is still important. As a matter of fact, it's ironic, isn't it? The very thing that Jesus will send them to do, the very three things. He will specifically say, go and do these things. Jesus says, the people who do these things, I don't know them. He's trying to get them to understand. You're going to do some things in life. You're going to accomplish some things in life. It is not you who are doing them. Don't you dare take credit. Don't you start to think highly of yourself. It is Christ in you. That's the only way that you're able to do it. There's so many things happen, happening in this verse. So we know these things are important. Jesus commissions and sends out the 72 to do it. But it isn't the measurement of whether Jesus knows someone. You can preach and your heart be rotten. You can cast out demons and your heart be rotten. You can heal the sick and your heart be rotten. You can serve the poor and your heart be rotten. How? Because Jesus' name performs the miracle, not you. The Bible says God will never have his word go out and return void. You can do a lot of churchy things, but what you do isn't all the, that matters if your heart is off. Amen? In other words, it doesn't matter that you know Jesus. What matters is that Jesus knows you. Jesus knows everyone who places their faith and trust in him and then produces the evidence of having placed their faith and trust in him. They don't do the things they want to. They do the things that Christ has commanded them to do. As a matter of fact, they can't help but do it. And what's crazy about this group of people is that they find no better joy in all the world while doing just that. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And the greatest commandment that Jesus ever gave, maybe it sounds familiar. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. I challenge you this morning, is there anything that you ever sit with that's worldly, fleshly, or passing away and you say, I love this? What do you mean? Is there anything that you're doing? Is there anything that you're partaking in, if you will, that you like because it makes you feel good or it makes you feel the release or it makes you feel good, but it's not the Holy Spirit of God? Why are you doing it? What's the point? Like, I struggle to love God with my entire day. Are you not? And that's not even in the list. Jesus says, with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, 
give me everything. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Church, we have some evaluating to do. We have some evaluating to do. I'll never preach again if my heart is off while I do it. I don't want this. I have the spiritual gift of preaching and teaching, but if I hijack it, it's not a gift from God anymore. It's a curse from me. Like, I want to do the things that I do because it brings glory to God. I want to do the things that I do because it brings me closer to him. Man, I find no greater joy, some of you might say, than when I serve him at the fill-in-the-blank. I was thinking about this as I was pondering these passages, thinking kind of through the inventory of the things that I find the greatest joy from. Think of them right now. Take a second. Pause. Have a moment. Let's just think. The things that bring you the greatest unexplainable joy. Most of us in here it has to do with someone else. Something that we do that denies ourselves and exalts them. I find the greatest joy, maybe, when my wife's had a hard day and she's going to come home. And after she's had a hard day, and by hard day, I mean she's worked really hard the entire day, she gets home. And the first thing she's going to think about is now what do I have to do at my home? My, 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 one of my greatest joys is for her to get home and find those, some of those things are already done. She doesn't have to do them, right? I mean, it's not some of the casseroles she made, but the cereal's already in the bowl. I ain't put the milk in. Not just mine, baby girl, two bowls. Look up there. You want me to get a little saucy? I'll throw a Pop-Tart in the oven right now so you can have some bread with your soup. Some of you, you go to the mobile pantry and you serve there and you get done. It's hard. It's difficult. Some things don't work out, but you feel more fulfilled than ever. Some of you went to Mexico this week and you worked hard. And at the end of the day, there was no guilt. There was no shame just peace that surpasses all understanding, a desire, a hunger to do it again and to do more. I want to challenge you with something. So do it. What if the church got through with something that they did that was selfless, powerfully impactive, to them and to, the, and to whomever they served. It was a humble act. What if the church got through with those and thought, man, I feel the closest to God. I'm going to find some more stuff like that to do. Like, what if we stopped just waiting on the mobile pantry every month? 
I was thinking about this. I'm, I was thinking about everything just sitting out there in the desert. I was talking through. I don't get to see Jason a lot. He's the single greatest influence spiritually in my life. And he's just pouring into me throughout the week. I was pouring into him. We come from two different worlds. It was just mutually beneficial. And we were just thinking through all of this. I was looking at this team of people that were just flying around this house, getting it done. Some of them with absolute faces of misery, but just grinding. It was unbelievable. And I was like, why isn't the whole church here? Like, missionary is not a spiritual gift. It's just a title. Like, everybody can do this. Why aren't we all doing it? Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes I couldn't afford to go. I get that. Maybe next time. It's not so much a you should have been there, shame on you for not being there. It was more of a, this idea of selflessly serving. Where is everyone? Why do we wait for events that require it? Why do we wait for opportunity of obligation? Why not today? Why not today in this moment be selfless? Why not today be a good hand and rub the shoulder? Because we're stuck with each other. Like you, <laughs> did you laugh, Stace? Listen, you don't have to go to church here, but if you go to church here, you can't leave. Homie, don't play that. Like, you hear me? Like, this is going to be the body of Christ. You know what Jesus says about the body of Christ? One body, many members. You know what that's representative of? Everything. Stacy isn't my finger disconnected from my hand laying on the table that I may or may not attach to my hand and use today if it so benefits me. She's there, period. She looks at me. I'm not just the foot that she may use to walk around. I am the foot that she will use to walk around. If she don't like me, she may just trip or, or walk harder on that side. We don't get, I'll tell, can I tell you, this is gross. I, I was on the mission trip. There was one day, I had my work boots for a long time. I took my shoes off, and I thought, dear God in heaven. Like, I got to sit alone, isolated. I got to let these dogs air out before I go into the room where everybody is. And I stared at them, and I was like, you stink. You know what I didn't do, though? I didn't go get a saw and cut them off. Now, you hear that, and you think, that's the stupidest thing. That's what's wrong with the church right there. That's what's wrong with us. The simple, exact wording of Scripture we force it to fit this narrative instead of what God intended for it to be. What do we do when our feet stink? Wash them. What else? Next time you put them boots on, what might you do? Throw a little powder in there. You know what I will do? I'll throw them boots out. Sometimes the outside influence is the problem. 
Sometimes you need a new pair of shoes. If I have a hole in my shirt, I don't cut a spot out of my chest so that it matches. What do I do? I get another shirt. I don't cut my feet off because they're a part of me. I mean, this, go, this has to do with everything in terms of the body of Christ. Because what did God also compare the body of Christ? What did he say that the body, the, use the body also a representation of the church, a representation of us in here and our spiritual gifts, a representation of marriage? So many people fighting for marriage while preparing for divorce. Why do you think you're in the place that you're in? Why do you think, well, I just don't feel that right now. Stop feeling and stop following and start following. What does God want you to do? Get your butt back in the bed with your husband. You, you want your marriage to be healthy? Stop living like you're divorced. Start talking. Start do, just do the thing. Do you think that Jesus wanted to die for you? Do you think he wanted to carry that cross up that hill? No, he did not. We know that's a fact. He literally told God, I will take any other option if you will give it to me. And God refused. Jesus, did, Jesus just, kept, just kept moving forward. Jesus proverbially throughout eternity said, you're never getting rid of me. I want to see the church begin to act like that, just like I didn't cut off my nasty, stinky feet. I washed them, cleaned them, put powder in the boots because I'm stuck with them. There are many members but one body. Many members but one body, and no part can say to the other, I have no need of you. And God said, and the two shall be one flesh. We go, we stay, we worship, we praise, we pray, we fast. What about when Stacy? There is no what about when Stacy. There is no what about when Justin. And the two shall be one flesh. Even the idea of she is weak, thank God I am strong. No, we are weak and we are strong. We don't depend on we. We trust in the one who created us. The point is this, church. We're not going to get into heaven, or it, which is not even the goal. I mean, at the end of the day, I, at the end of, I've gotten to this place in my relationship with God. I don't even care what happens to me at the end. I don't think about eternity. I don't, I don't know how to explain it. I've entered into this place in my relationship with God where I'm just, I am. I, I, I think, I, I think, I don't know, I think I understand what Moses thought maybe in that moment when God said, I am. This moment this second. It's not about, listen, it's not about perfection. It's not about, not, there's too many people trying to get cleaned up before they get in the shower. Just get in. Let God wash you. 
Let God make you. Stop playing Christian. Stop acting. Stop looking like one thing over here and inside and under the roof of your house. You know good and well you ain't who you say you are. If Christ were to show up today and you said, Lord, Lord, he'd say, I don't know you. What, you think just because you got up there and preached every Sunday that we had some type of relationship? No. You think because you led worship we had some kind of relationship? No. 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 Keep my commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. Would y'all stand this morning? Love your neighbor as yourself. Selflessly serve. You know who your neighbor is? Everybody, even your husband. Everybody, even your wife. Everybody, even your ex-husband. Everybody, even your ex-wife. Everybody. Your mama, your daddy, your stepmama, your stepdaddy, your uncle, your aunts, your grandparents, your boss. Everybody. Jesus says, in the moment that you stand before them, selflessly decrease that I may increase in you and in them. That is who I know. God, this morning we have an opportunity to just evaluate ourselves. I don't know, I have this image in my head of... of being dressed out and prepared for a game of football on the baseball field and not ever taking a moment to stop and go, I'm not prepared for the game I'm in. God, we don't want that to be said about us. And along the lines in that same illustration, like I don't want to sit there expecting to win or wondering why I'm losing when I'm not even doing the thing that I should be doing to win. I'm throwing a football to players on the field who are trying to catch a baseball, and I'm wondering, well, what's going on here? It's because this is your thing. This is your what does God? What does God have for us? Are we in his game, if you will? Strip it all the way, God. Break everything in this church in the name of Jesus that takes power. Do it all today. I'm so tired of this building. I'm so tired of earthly constraints, oh God. I'd rather sit in a room worshiping with nothing but the voices of 10 people than sit in a massive structure with all the technology and all the power in the world with a group of people who don't know you and you don't know them. God forbid to be sitting there and you not know me. Strip it all away, God. Cleanse us, O oh God. Create in us a pure heart and a contrite spirit. Mold us and make us into the image of your son, Jesus, that no one ever sees our face again. O oh God, use us as you see fit. Pour us out, extract whatever the cost. For what would it profit any of us, O oh God, if we gained the whole world but forfeited our very soul? You are the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end our first and last love. You're good and holy and righteous, gracious, merciful, patient. And 
and we worship you. Nothing else. Only you. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen.